Good morning. My Bible is open to Philippians chapter 1 this morning. I would encourage you to do the same. We'll spend most of our time there this morning. It is so good to see you this morning, to be with you, to have this opportunity of worship as we are gathered here together. I appreciate so much from Jake's prayer this morning, his use of the word excited, that we are excited to be here. And as he prayed that, I was thinking that exact same thing. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here because of what we are here to do. That is to worship God. But I'm also excited to be here with you, to worship God with you. And maybe you're visiting with us. And we want you to know we are excited to have you here and the choice that you've made to worship God, to do so with us. And we would love for you to do that in any time that you'd like, any questions you may have. We would love for you to look us up and to ask us anything that you have on your mind that pertains to God, because ultimately that is the one thing that matters. It is why we are here this morning, and it is why we live, to serve, and as we'll talk about this morning, to magnify our God. We think about the book of Philippians, as well as some of the other books that Paul wrote. It's one of the things that I am continually amazed about as he writes this letter and others from prison. that He is able to do so with a mindset that I sometimes think about if I was in his shoes, I would have a different mindset than he ultimately has. He's able to write books like this, the book of Philippians, and others with an incredible focus, but not a focus on himself, but a focus on others, a focus on God. That even though he found himself in a very difficult circumstance, uh, whether he thought it was fair or just, none of that mattered. He, He was there, and he was still going to be focused on God. Philippians chapter 1 bears that. You know, it's interesting to me as he writes his perspective and what it is. I'm going to give you a couple examples. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 13, Paul will make the point that even in his own imprisonment, in his own chains, he's not bothered by that because Christ will be brought to the people there in and around that prison that maybe would not have happened if he wasn't there. Look at what he says, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 13. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. He says, yes, I'm in chains, but what an incredible opportunity this is. That for the entirety of the palace guard and all of the rest can see Christ magnified in my body. He'll make another interesting point right after that. That he says, even in his own harsh critics, and there were many. Many people didn't like Paul. Many people spoke against Paul. Many people slandered his name and did so even while in prison. But Paul will make the point, I'm not bothered by that. Especially when those critics, even though they may be speaking ill of me, preach Christ. 
And so he'll say in Philippians chapter 1 verse 18, just a few verses down from that, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ will be preached. And in this, I will rejoice. And yes, we'll rejoice. Yeah, they're speaking bad about me. And yes, maybe they're spreading lies about me. But if they are preaching Christ, I will rejoice. What incredible focus he has. And where we're going to spend our time this morning is where he goes next. That even though he can say in his chains, Christ can be shown to those around, even in my own harsh critics, Christ will be preached, that even in this challenge that I'm facing, I will magnify Christ. And it is that idea of magnifying Christ that I want us to think about for just a few minutes this morning. We're going to start with a question. And the question is this. I mean, does Christ need to be magnified? I mean, think about that to begin with. I mean, does Christ need even to be magnified? How can just a pure human, as we are, magnify Christ? Interesting questions. Keep them in your mind. Let's read the text together. We're in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. He says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also... Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So back to our question. Does Christ need to be magnified? Or how is it that we can magnify Christ? You know, Paul makes the point, and he does so abruptly almost. He he makes the point in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. Did you take notice? He says, always, always I'm interested in magnifying Christ in my body, but even here, now also. This current challenge that I'm facing, this current difficulty that I'm facing does not turn off my need or want or desire to magnify Christ. And I want us to dwell on that just for a moment. You know, it's interesting that he makes the point always. I'm always thinking about ways to magnify Christ. I'm always thinking about ways to make him bigger, to bring him closer. I'm always thinking about ways, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Doesn't turn that off. Doesn't excuse me from that. My need to magnify Christ is so great. 
as I study from Philippians chapter 1, or I study from the entirety of the book of Philippians, for me, that's what stands out about Paul. He pins these words. It's like, I I cannot help but to magnify Christ. I cannot help but to feel this way. So a quick application question is, do we feel that? And as we begin to kind of open up this thought, probably a good question is this idea. Do, do I feel the need to magnify Christ always? Maybe an easier question that we should start with is do I magnify Christ even sometimes? Do I magnify Christ ever? Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I don't magnify Christ that often. I most certainly don't magnify Christ always, or certainly I am situational in my relationship with Christ. Well, Paul wants us to understand that we've got to magnify Christ always. And I want us to think about why for a moment. So I was thinking about Philippians chapter 1 this week and, and really kind of working through this thought, keeping it in the context of Philippians chapter 1. There are a couple of things that came to me. And I think one of the overwhelming things is, certainly from Paul's perspective, is he's magnifying Christ because he knows Christ. He knows God deserves that because of who he is. But yet you cannot read this chapter and think about even the ones with which he is writing to that he acknowledges the importance of when I magnify Christ in my body, that has an impact then on the people around me. What does that say to the people around me? That even in all circumstances, even the most challenging of circumstances, I'm magnifying Christ in my body. What then does that say to the people around me? I want us to think about that in a couple of different ways. I'll put a picture up here on the screen because I want us to think about when we think about magnifying Christ, what that means, what that does. I'm going to look at it in two different ways that hopefully will make sense to you this morning. And the first is this idea of what a telescope does. What a telescope does is, I want you to think about the stars that a telescope looks at. What's the size comparison to a telescope and the actual star that it is looking at? The star that a telescope sees is borderline infinitely larger than the actual telescope. But what does a telescope do? What does a telescope do to these giant, enormous stars? It magnifies them. It brings them closer. So I want us to think about it in that term. When it is that we are magnifying Christ, we are bringing him closer to us. To the Christian with the single focused mind that Paul has here in Philippians chapter 1. It's the idea that Christ is always with me. Here, now, for Paul, 
here in these chains. Christ will be magnified. He is here. He is close. But a different kind of way, and then we're going to talk about these things together. A telescope brings things closer, but yet a microscope makes the tiny look big. Oftentimes, to people in the world, God is a distant thought. Someone far away. Someone not here, someone not tangible, someone so far away, so small even, that we cannot have a relationship with him. But think about as someone in the world watches a Christian face a challenge in their life, an obstacle in their life. What that is is an opportunity for us to be a lens for those folks to help them see just how big Jesus is. To be a lens for them to help them to see how close he can be. Now let's think about how that plays out. We think about this idea of magnifying Christ in our body. Certainly we're doing that because of God and who he is. But again, the impact that it has on the people around us in context, in the midst of difficulty or a challenge that we're facing. That if we can face that challenge, we can face that difficulty with a single-minded focus that Paul is referencing here. It gives us an opportunity to to be a lens for the people who are watching, for the people who are there, for the people who are around us, to let them know that Jesus can be close, that he can be made big. And how is it then I can face this challenge in the way that I do? Because Jesus is here. He is with me. And he is larger than any challenge or difficulty that I'm facing. So for the Christian, we are the lens that makes Christ look big and a distant Christ come close. And now for us to think, is that how I operate day to day? When the people at work see me, do they see Christ there next to me? Do they see a big Christ with me? When I'm at school, do my classmates, when they look at me, see Christ sitting next to me? A big Christ sitting next to me? We often ask the question, and I think it's a good one. It seems cliche, it seems stereotype, but I I do think it's a good question, so I'll continue to use it. It's that cliched question of, would your coworkers, would your friends, would your classmates be surprised to hear that you are a Christian, that you have a relationship with God? How would they react? Would they be surprised? 
if they would be, if they would question that in any way, Christ is not being magnified in your body. But Christ will only be magnified in your body if your perspective on life is right. And so what this context gives us is it gives us an indication of how Paul's perspective on life was right. Because did you take notice in this text? that Paul makes the point that he's not afraid of death or he's not afraid of life even. Either way, he wanted to magnify Christ in his body. And you might say, well, why wasn't he afraid of life? Well, he's in prison. That's not great. great. But he's certainly not afraid of death, but he's not even afraid of life or what life may bring or what life puts in front of him. I'm not afraid of either of those things. I will magnify Christ in my body. You see, he confesses in this text in a lot of ways how difficult it is for him thinking about life and thinking about death, the benefit that it would be for others, but yet to be with Christ, which he says is far better. I think it's really interesting how he phrases death. Even though he says in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, he uses that word die, but yet when he gets to verse 23, he doesn't use the word death. He uses the word depart, which is an interesting Greek word. You see, he does so because death doesn't carry terror for Paul. He looks at it differently. He uses the word depart. In the Greek, that means to to break up or to pack up. I was reading earlier this week, most commonly that word in the Greek was used by way of the military when they would pack up all of their gear and move to a new place. They would pack up their weapons, their gear, their tents, and they would move somewhere else. And, And I like the thought of that idea because it reminded me of another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to think about that idea of this word depart to what it means. And and think about how Paul describes 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning in verse 1. Think about the correlation between these two things. He says, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, Eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. And now, He who has prepared us for this very thing to God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well, pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Really interesting 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, probably a passage that you have in your mind, memorized and maybe didn't know where it was. 
For we walk by faith and not by sight, but in context, really interesting with why he writes that. You see, Paul's perspective was one of, I don't need to be afraid of this, but groan earnestly for it. And so his perspective is there. And so one final thing that I want us to think about this morning to help with this thought of magnifying Christ in our body. You see, the point that he makes by verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, the point that he's making is nothing then can take my joy away. You can throw me in prison. That's not going to take my joy away. You can beat me with a rod. That's not going to take my joy away. You can kill me. It's not going to take my joy away because of what his perspective, his focus, his single mind. I ran across a quote this week and working on this lesson, Maltby Babcock, a name you're you're more familiar with than you know, a pretty well-known hymn writer, lots of hymns that he wrote that we sing. One, This Is My Father's World, probably one of the most well-known, is is famously credited with a quote that helps us here in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, a very similar kind of phrasing. Once said, life is what we are alive to. I know so right that is. Why I liked Jake in his prayer using the word excites. Because the thing that excites us is the thing that is really life to us. For Paul, that was Christ. He was excited by Christ. Christ excited him and made his life worth living. And worth dying. Now think about that for a second. Christ was such his excitement, it made his life worth living and worth dying. And so he's able to say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so as we close, by way of application, how would we fill in this blank? For to me to live is blank and to die is blank. For the Apostle Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But maybe for you, for me to live is money and to die is to just leave it all behind. For to me to live is fame, popularity, and to die is to be forgotten. For me to live is power, is authority, and to die is to lose it all. Those are things that often excites people. Money, popularity, fame, power, authority. Things we grasp for. But yet amount to nothing. But how can we not be excited about Christ who in life and in death amounts to everything?
In Philippians chapter 1, the point that Paul is making is that Christ will be magnified in his body because he is so excited about Christ, who he is, and the impact that he's had in his life and his deep desire for that to have an impact on the people around him. And so I'll encourage you this week to think about a couple of things. I want you this week to think about your relationship with Christ in regards to the people around you. And ask that simple question. Is Christ magnified in my body so much that the people around me simply cannot help but to see him? Can't help but to see him. That's question number one. Question number two I want you to be thinking about this week. What is it in this life that excites you? Is it your job? Is it your hobbies? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it power? Is it your family? Or is it Christ? If it is Christ, he will be magnified in your body. And Matt's going to lead us in a song of invitation, and it gives each and every one of us an opportunity to be thinking about that thing. Begin our thought process on that topic. Because as we sing this song of encouragement, it gives us an opportunity to be thinking about where we are with Christ, where we stand. We've been talking a lot about that this morning. There was a big crowd with us this morning, over 350 people, over 350 souls. 350 souls that God wants to be in eternity with him. But yet we're reminded all over the New Testament there will be just a few. Now it comes down to how badly we want to be in the few. It may be this morning that you want that bad. We can help in some way. You know that it is your sin that separates you from God, and you know it is that sin that can be washed away in the waters of baptism. We want to help you with that this morning. Or you know that it is your relationship with God that once was good but now is not. I urge you to do something about that this morning. Maybe we can help. If we can, you let us know as we stand and sing.